0: Good morning members of First United Methodist Church and others that are gathering with us this morning. While we're not meeting together in person, I'm glad that you have decided to join together as we go to God's Word and as we worship on this Sunday. Uh, after looking at the conditions of the parking lot at the KC Hall, we just felt that it was safer to worship from home than it would be to try and show up. We didn't want to risk anybody's health and safety uh, trying to get into the building So as we begin our time together this morning, I wanna go over some announcements with you to keep you in the know of everything that we have going on. Uh, First off, our confirmation classes are going to be starting up this spring semester. Um, It's for anybody sixth grade and up. If you would be interested in your child taking part in that, we're going to have an informational meeting Wednesday, February 21st at 6 p.m. at the KC Hall. It's going to take place while children's ministry and youth ministry events are going on. Um, And so that's for parents to come and to hear what the schedule is going to be like, some of the things that we're going to learn, uh, and some of the activities that we're going to do. So that's Wednesday, February 21st at 6 p.m. Uh, Don't forget, wonderful Wednesdays and youth ministries meet 5.30 to 7 p.m. at the KC Hall. Uh, Dinner is provided by our wonderful volunteers. Um, February 11th, missions team is going to have a bake sale before and after the service, and they are asking for you to donate any baked goods or meals that can be frozen uh, for the project. All the proceeds are going to go to the missions uh, events that we sponsor throughout our community over the year. Um, So, you know, if you have a good recipe for a dessert or you have a good casserole, something that can stay in the freezer for a while, you know, please make that and, and let that be a part of this fundraiser you know that's a great way that we can help others in need during a time uh, when making a meal may not be the easiest thing so let's take part in that and let's make that happen that's february 11th before and after the service Uh, as always don't forget if you want to volunteer to feed those youth and children on wednesday nights take advantage of that there's a code there in the email and then in the weekly bulletin as well um let's see what we got here next we are uh, working on our nursery volunteer list for sunday mornings contact laura owens or chelsea Bronner to sign up for our sunday when you would be willing to work in the nursery Senior Bingo is happening Thursday, January 25th, two to four p.m. at Gatekeeper Independent Living. That's at 1515 Lemon Street. RSVP with Laura Owens to make sure that she has enough prizes and treats for everybody that's gonna be there. Uh, Remember, you do not have to be a senior to be there. You just wanna have to play bingo And last but not least, don't forget about our archives and history team working to preserve some memories from our sanctuary and our church campus before the tornado. Libby Washington is heading that project up and would love for you to submit any memories or memorabilia that you might have to help us uh, record the history and our time in our sanctuary before the storm. Hear this call to worship as we get ready to go to God this day and to give him praise for all that he has done. Our God gave us his word to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. His word to us is sweeter than honey and more precious than gold. It proceeds from his mouth and it does not return empty, but accomplishes all that he has purposed. His word is the sword by which his spirit penetrates and divides the soul, joint and marrow, judging the attitudes of the heart. As his people, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of our God. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord endures forever. God, our Father, we thank you for sending us your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is your Word made flesh. He is our way, our truth, and our life. He is our teacher and the ruler of our lives. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit who inspires us to live according to your Word, and dwelling us with your power to resist sin and obey you. So teach us this day your Word through the working of your Spirit, that we might live our lives fulfilled for the sake of your glory as we tell others of what you have done.
1: And Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Proclaim not just to his sons, but his beloved daughters. Not just the privileged few, but to the entire human race. To the whole creation, to all the colors and creeds. For God so loved all of us. How then can one daughter be more worthy than another? One son be more deserving than his brother. One color be more beautiful than all the rest for it is written that no one can number his children. They will come from every nation. They will come from all tribes. They will speak all languages, and with their mouths they will sing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Therefore, we are all created in His image, not just a certain few. We are all adopted. None of us are His by birth. And we all must find the way, the truth, and the life. We all need Jesus. Jesus, the martyr. Jesus, the poor man. Jesus, the prisoner. Jesus, the teacher. Jesus, the prophet. Jesus, the resurrected. Jesus, the first and the last. He is the creator of diversity, the author of equality, the defender of the defenseless, the one who breaks the chains of slavery, the one who continues to fight for freedom. He is the Messiah. He is the risen king. He is our only hope. Jesus, the savior of the world. Jesus, the one who died for all.
0: Will you join me together in our Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Will you pray with me before we open God's word? God, we thank you for each and every opportunity that we have to speak of your goodness and to speak of your love for us many times we fall short of living up to be the people that jesus has called us to be we forget our neighbors we forget even those that we love because we're too busy looking at ourselves and our own interests god we know that as the church you have called us to be set apart from the world so that others might see you in us. And we live in a culture that is very counterproductive to this idea and this understanding. We live in a world that tells us that we are number one and that everything should be for our success and that if something or somebody goes against us, we are to be offended and we are to be defensive against others who disagree with us but god rarely do we see in our world the opportunity or the invitation to live for the sake of someone else so we thank you for jesus christ who died on the cross who gave his life for us who meets us with grace each day who covers our sin who invites us to live as your people even in the midst of a broken world god we thank you for who you are, that your character and that your greatness and your holiness is bigger than we could ever imagine. God, forgive us as we fail you. Forgive us when we fail to be your church, when we fail to be the people that you have made possible through your son, Jesus Christ. God, as we open your word this morning, Turn our ears to hear you, turn our eyes to look for you, and turn our hearts to respond. We thank you for all things that you do. And God, as we live each day, we ask that as our Holy Father, as our Abba, our Papa, that you would lead us on the path that leads to everlasting life. Amen. So last week we began discussion of the book of Nehemiah, a book in the Old Testament that not many people turn to and not many people uh, spend much time in. But I was turned on to the book of Nehemiah actually after having a conversation uh, with Sasha, our project manager here at the church during our rebuild process. Uh, If you have met Sasha, he's told you about his faith and the things that God has done in his life. Um, But we were talking about the church and how uh, it seems that things have have kind of been at a standstill and nothing has happened yet. And he was just apologizing to me. And uh, I had to make a confession to him and to many of you as church members. I'm making a confession to you now. You know, I told him, I said, Sasha, I said, I'm not upset at all that not one brick has been rebuilt on the church yet. Because honestly, I believe where we're at right now is exactly where God needs us to be in order to understand and to know the mission and the purpose that he has for us as a group of believers. And he just got this look on his face and he said, Matt, he said, you know, it's funny. Is he said, I've been reading through the book of Nehemiah, the book of destruction and, and a book of, you know, uh, just despair and seeing how God is is rebuilding through that entire process and he said I think it's neat uh, where you are at right now and the way that you're trying to approach that now uh, for most of our church members matter of fact for I would probably say all but maybe two of them um, it's been a tough season not being in our church you know for many of them it's where they have grown up and where they have all their memories of being in church uh, and then for some of the newer people you know there's there's many fond memories there as well. But I truly, truly, truly believe that uh, what we're experiencing in the season that we're in, uh, God is doing something that He could not do and He could not uh, get the attention of some of us if this had not happened Uh, we've already seen some salvation stories as a result of this we've seen many people in our community reached and and touched with the story of Jesus and the evidence of the gospel in in our members in ways that never would have happened uh, had our church building not been hit by a tornado But as we look at Nehemiah's story and we hear of the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple and the lives of the Jewish people who were once in exile, uh, we see a lot of our own story there as well. Um, And I hope that as a church, we can copy the example of Nehemiah in rebuilding because nehemiah did not just rebuild physical structures and as a church we are not going to be successful just because we rebuild the physical building but what nehemiah did is he rebuilt the understanding for the people of who they were to be as the people of God. Remember last week as we read Nehemiah's prayer, the very thing that Nehemiah does is he owns up to the fact that what happened to Judah and to Israel and to the people of God as a whole was a result of their own doings. Now we as a church did not obviously cause the tornado to come and to ruin the building and there's you know there's nothing that says that Um, We are responsible for the physical destruction for the building, but we have an opportunity exactly like Nehemiah took uh, advantage of to while we are rebuilding the physical nature of the buildings, uh, we get to rebuild a lot of the life and the purpose of the church. So what I'm hoping that we can accomplish through our time in Nehemiah, is that we can see what life in the church is supposed to look like. We talk a lot about servanthood and leadership in the middle of church and when we're in small groups and Sunday school classes and all that. Uh, we talk a lot about those things, but I think Nehemiah actually shows us a good example of what godly leadership and what servanthood looks like. Um, and so I'm hoping that we can grasp that and, and understand that so that we can set a trajectory for our church for the next hundred years. But another thing that Nehemiah does and that we're gonna see is that he did not do all of this on his own. It was not Nehemiah out there putting each stone in place and hanging the gates all by himself. But what he did was he got other people involved with the work as well. And that is what it takes to be successful and to function as a church is it takes many people all doing their part and then another thing that we see from Nehemiah that I think is critical for us as a church in our culture and in our world today is what a godly response to opposition looks like or what it should look like uh, you know we get on the news all the time or we get on social media and we see pastors and we see churches um, Responding to somebody or responding to a theological issue or a cultural issue or something like that And and we ask ourselves, where was God in the midst of that person's thinking? Because what they're saying sounds nothing like the gospel But in Nehemiah's story, even so many years before the person of Jesus Christ We see the gospel message in the way that Nehemiah sees his, his fellow countrymen And he sees the purpose that is before him in the process So we're going to see what a godly response to opposition looks like. And then finally, um, we're going to see what prayer and hard work accomplishes when we seek to serve God. You know, the thing about being in the church is we have people that are prayer warriors that are phenomenal at praying and we have people that are phenomenal at doing whose prayer life uh, could probably use a little bit of work. But the reality of it is, is if we're going to be successful in our faith and successful in sharing our faith, prayer and work go hand in hand and we cannot uh, fall back on praying in order to keep from being involved. Now, we see that again on social media all the time. Something bad happens and somebody posts praying, uh, but rarely do we see the people of God standing up and doing something. So I'm hoping that through our time in Nehemiah as as our church and as we seek to understand what our mission is and how to truly live it out instead of just claiming it, um, we can see that we need to be busy doing the work of the church and not just falling back on the response of praying. So let's jump into Nehemiah here now and let's look at what it means to be a believer of Jesus Christ and what it means to be in a rebuilding stage. Uh, One of the books that I read in preparing for today and for this series is a book by O.S. Hawkins called The Nehemiah Code. Um, And the cool thing about this O.S. Hawkins is is he writes several books uh, from the understanding of the codes that are taught in the Bible. He's got uh, the Jesus Code, the James Code, the Joshua Code, the Christmas Code, the Believer's Code. Uh, And he just looks at themes throughout Scripture that we can use in order to pattern our lives in our search of discipleship. And so that's what uh, we're going to look at here today is what is the code in Nehemiah's story that we can use in order to pattern our lives for success in living out our faith, in sharing our faith, but then just not sitting back and existing as Christians, but actually doing the necessary work that needs to happen. So remember, Nehemiah was a civil servant in King Artaxerxes' court. He was actually the cupbearer, so he had a pretty close relationship with the king, and he used that to his advantage, as we saw last week in Nehemiah chapter 1, in order to get permission to go and to help these people who are returning from exile to rebuild Jerusalem and to reestablish themselves in this land that God had given them That was part of their identity. This was the place where God sent them and told them to live as an example for him. And so Nehemiah used his position in order to go and to accomplish these tasks. But you have to remember about Nehemiah is that he's not going with all the pomp and all the luxuries that he would have being in the king's palace and in the king's service. He's leaving all of that behind. He's leaving security and safety and comforts behind to go and to do this work that he knows needs to be done in order to give his people the symbol that they need to realize that God is not finished with them yet so in all situations that we have in life there's always a first step that needs to happen in order for the process to begin Um, you know you're not going to drive a car unless you first put the key in the ignition If you don't put the key in the ignition, no matter what you do, no matter how familiar you are with that vehicle, it's not going to go anywhere. And so Nehemiah understood that before anything could happen with rebuilding this great city and this symbol for his people, he needed to do the first thing that was critical. And what he does first and foremost, we saw last week, was he prays and he fasts. He spends time where nothing is on his mind but who God is and what God has called him to be and how God has called him to do these things that are before him. So as believers in our faith and when we think about what it means to be a Christian, the very first thing that we have to understand is that we cannot do anything apart from time with God. Fasting is so important in order to remind ourselves that God is the one who sustains us, that God is the one who calls us to go and sends us out. Uh, We live differently than the world, and so we have to draw our power and the focus by which we are seeing things from something else other than the world. So each one of us, there's something in our life that we need to be building or something that we need to be rebuilding, whether it's our relationships, the understanding of what it means to live our faith, or um, whatever you can think of. This goes from you know, spiritual things down to uh, financial things, and, and so we want to get started right we want to make sure that things are happening correctly and that's exactly what we see Nehemiah doing here is he is considering everything that must take place and needs to happen before he begins. Um, One of the things that Nehemiah does in his prayer and when he begins this project, the church bells are going off, uh, so good to still hear those Uh, despite everything going on. One of the things that Nehemiah does um, at the beginning of his prayer is he realizes that there were things in Israel's past, now in Judah's past, Israel is now gone and no more, but there are things in Judah's past that need to go away. Uh, They're going to begin this new time of life. They're going to begin this new uh, story in, in their history. But there were things in their past that led to them being in this situation in the first place. And so there are things that need to go away in order that they can begin and that they can continue on being the people that God told them to be. For us today, some things in our lives can no longer continue with us on this journey of faith if we are going to be the people that God wants us to be. Some of us have habits that we need to let go and we need to turn away from in order to allow God to work in our life. Some of us, our hearts need to be healed. We are dealing with things injuries and things from our past that are keeping us from hearing the words of God, from hearing the the invitation of Jesus to live and to experience life and we need to allow those things to go away. So, Nehemiah realized that there are things that needed to be walked away from, that needed to be forgotten, that needed to be done away with in order for Judah to move forward as God's people with a clean slate. Now, as we're going to read throughout Nehemiah's story, it was the collective work of everyone there that led to Jerusalem's rebuilding. There was not one person who stood on the sidelines and watched. There was not one person who throw out throughout the, the thing, oh, well, don't worry, we're praying for you. We can't do much, but we're praying for you. You know, everybody got involved and put hands on, and there was not anybody sitting there waiting for things to get done or just critiquing for things to be done without getting involved in the work. So what we see in Jerusalem's past throughout this time of exile and devastation is uh, Nehemiah is not the first person who tried to start rebuilding Jerusalem. Several people tried to rebuild Jerusalem before Nehemiah came on the scene but they always failed because they did not put things in order and they did not go about it the right way. What we see Nehemiah doing however is accomplishing this monumental task in less than two months. And so one of the things that OS Hawkins saw in his book was that Nehemiah really covered four things in order to set the course for the project in the right direction. And as I said earlier, these are things that can apply to us not only on a physical or a material level, but also on a spiritual level. And I think for us as a church and for anybody in faith, knowing that they need to grow, or somebody perhaps that is not a person of faith, but somebody is just struggling to to get an answer in life, somebody is is broken beaten down and they're tired of that and they want something new there's four things that we can look at in order to understand what is holding us back and how can we move forward and so these four steps are these things right here the first one is an honest evaluation very rarely are we willing to give ourselves an honest evaluation of our situation When we do that, we realize that we can't blame others for our problems as much as we would like to. We realize that when we think we have been a victim, the reality of it is is we are the cause of our problems. And so Nehemiah acknowledged that Jerusalem's condition was a result of Judah's own responsibility and own choices. So as Christians, we need to evaluate ourselves as when First Methodist. We need to honestly evaluate who are we as a church, who is God calling us to be. If you're not a person of faith and you find you are struggling in life, I invite you to take an honest evaluation. Is perhaps maybe some of the choices that you have made and the things that you have done, the things that are keeping you from experiencing this life that Jesus invited us to experience. And then the second thing is identify the true needs. You know, I read a book one time that it said that sacred cows make gourmet burgers, and it was talking about that in the life of the church, as church goes on and as uh, traditions are made and as memories are made, sometimes we take things of a material nature, of a superficial nature, and we make them almost sacred. You know, uh, the things that really have no function in the kingdom of God or in the purposes of God, but we set them apart as sacred to where if somebody touches it or even talks about changing it around, we lose it. Um, and so Nehemiah saw that in Judah's history in an attempt to be relevant in attempts to be uh, the people that everyone wanted to be, um, you know, to be comfortable. They took some things that were not the things that God had given them and told them to be about. And they made them needs. They made them necessary for their functioning, but weren't uh, helping in their growth or helping them to stay as set apart as God's people, as believers. We need to identify the things that are truly necessary for our life in Christ. And the reality of it is, is we need to stop right there. And we need to think from the understanding of what is important for our life in Christ. And let's not look at the world and see what the world says we have to have, but let's look and see what Jesus says we have to have. Because in reality, I think Jesus is probably calling us more to see life like Nehemiah did. He had a cushy job, he had security, he had luxuries, he had everything that anybody could want, but he knew that God was calling him to turn away from all of those things in order to accomplish the task that was before him. I'm reminded of the rich young ruler when he asked Jesus, what must I do to be one of your disciples? Jesus said, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the way that it just broke this guy's heart that Jesus would be telling him to sell everything that he had, his luxuries, his, his joys, his material things, and to come and follow him. The reality of it is, is that for many of us, our faith is not growing. We have no desire to move in our faith. We have no desire to, to, to go anywhere more with Jesus Christ because there are things that are getting in the way. There are things that we see as essential and necessary that are not true needs for what we are called to do and who we are called to be. Uh, For people that are not of faith, that is the reality of life. Society and culture in the world tells us that certain things are necessary for happiness. Certain things are necessary for success. But Jesus tells us a different story. He says, to lay all those things down, to turn from those things and to chase after him. He, he says to come after him and to follow him and to know him. And that is how we experience life and we experience purpose and we experience contentment. The third thing is take personal responsibility. That kind of goes back to that honest evaluation. It is very hard for us to, to claim responsibility when things in our life aren't going the way that we want them to. When our faith isn't what we want it to be, it's very easy for us to blame the pastor it is very easy for us to blame church people, and we try to push all of the stuff and the blame off onto church people, and we call them hypocrites, and we say that, you know, the reason I don't want to go to church is because people do this, and they say this, and you know, the reality of it is is that the church is made up of sinners, just like people that are not in church, those are the people that are in church. But what we hope has happened is that once people come to church, they have realized that about themselves. Now I know sometimes we struggle to let that go, and so it seems that we are setting a different image than the image of Christ, but the reality of it is is that we're not going to church and we're not members of the church because we're perfect and we've got it all figured out. I hope, uh, if anything, it's because we've realized just how bad we are and just how bad we need help. Um, but we have to take personal responsibility for our situation. There's nobody... There is nobody, nobody, nobody that can grow our faith for us. Um, You know, I I could preach for hours a day. I could follow somebody around with memory verses. I, I could throw Bibles at them and make them read 10 minutes a day. But if they don't have a desire to grow in their faith, it doesn't matter what I say. And the reality of it is, is in life, if we don't have a desire to change our circumstance, we don't have a desire to become a different person, then it's not going to happen. And Nehemiah knew that if... Jerusalem was going to rebuild. And if Judah was going to regain its identity, it was going to be up to him and it was going to be up to the people doing the task that was before them. There was not going to be somebody else that came along and changed their situation. So we need to take personal responsibility for the things in our life and for the work that is ahead of us. And then fourth, we need to move out of comfort zones that stop big things from happening. I truly believe that the reason... Churches are not filled on Sunday are based on these four points here. Honestly, that we fail to have an honest evaluation of ourselves and our situation, that we identify, we fail to identify the true needs that faith is calling us to have and calling us to grow in, and then we fail to take personal responsibility. It's easier for us to say that it's somebody else's fault that our small group class or our Sunday school class is not uh, growing and thriving. It's easier for us to say that it's somebody else's fault that. Uh, these small groups, and these activities aren't happening, it's very easy for us to stay in a place of comfort in our walk with God, in our walk with Jesus Christ. The problem is, though, is that keeps God from doing amazing things in us and through us. And so I want to challenge especially each of our members to make this year, to make this season within the life of our church, a season where you are opening yourself up for God to do something big in you and through you. That God would do something big in you to where your faith would grow to a level that you have never experienced before, not just a mount top level, but a whole new place where it is. I read something one time where it said that many of us struggle in our faith because we have a memory of the high point of our faith. And we think we're never going to get back there. And it made me think of my times growing up at church camp when it seemed like everything was perfect. God was center stage and he was just in the middle of everything and life was going so good. And then when church camp was over, it was back to business as usual. The reality of it is is so many of us are living our faith in business as usual that God is not able to do something amazing. So I want to challenge you to make this year be the year that you are intentional about seeing something big happening in your own faith and then letting God do something big through you for the sake of somebody else. If you are not sharing your faith actively, then you are failing to be the people that Jesus Christ has called us to be. If you're not a member of our church. If you just heard this on the radio or you've been listening for a while or you have questions, I also have a challenge for you. I want to challenge you to think of these four points uh, that I shared very quickly with us today uh, about honestly evaluating your situation, about identifying the things that you truly need in life, about taking personal responsibility, and then about moving out of a place of comfort or security to see if God can do something big in you. I want to invite you to that challenge as well. Maybe you have some questions about faith. Maybe you have some doubts uh, about church. I want to challenge you to talk to somebody about those, to, to ask somebody about those. Maybe you're dealing with some things that you are, are, are struggling to let go. Take advantage of that this year. The most awesome thing we see about God throughout Scripture is that whenever somebody comes to him, he is so ready to wrap them up. Uh, he, He lives into those words that he said, when somebody searches for me, they will find me. He lives into those every single time. And I know that God is wanting to do that issue as well. God wants you to know him and to experience him and to feel the love that he has for you through Jesus Christ. And so I want to leave you with these words that Nehemiah said during his prayer. Is When he started his prayer out, he says, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer and look down on me See and see me praying day and night. Let that be your prayer, that you would know that God is looking down on you, that God is inviting you to come through his son, Jesus Christ, And to hear this invitation to new life, to being a new person, that he is giving you his word to change who you are on the inside so that you might experience the love that he has for you and the task and the purpose that he has laid out for you. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the life of Nehemiah. We thank you that he was committed to you more than he was the comfort of his life. That he was committed to following you and seeing you glorified more than he was in his own security and his own materialistic things. God, that he was more concerned with you than his identity in the eyes of the kingdoms of the world. God, I pray that as we dig into his story and we see the work that you accomplished through him, God, that we would know that through the working of your Holy Spirit in us, you have called us to trust you and to believe in you and to work through you just as you did in Nehemiah. God, I pray for our church members in this season of rebuilding where some are in despair over the condition of our church. God, that you would give them faith through your spirit to see that this is just a small thing that you have placed in our paths in order to open the door to the greater work that you have put before us. God, I pray that if somebody is listening today that does not know the story of Jesus or the love of Jesus or God does not know your character. God, that you would place one of our church members or anybody that has a relationship with Jesus Christ in their path, that they might be able to ask questions, that they might be able to to hear evidence of your love and your goodness, and God, that they might come to faith in you to experience uh, love from you and, and rescue from death and from sin. God, may you be glorified. May you be lifted up in all things. May we give you praise and honor that you are due because you are good, because you are holy. And we thank you in Jesus' perfect and wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for joining today as we have opened God's word and as we have read of the story of Nehemiah. I pray that as you go out this week that you would be safe, that you would be careful in the midst of the storm, and that you would remember that as disciples of Jesus Christ and as members of Wynn First United Methodist Church, we are people who have been saved by grace, who seek to be a body of believers and make disciples of Jesus Christ as we are motivated by the love that he showed us so that we might change the world around.